lecture twelve part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture twelve on the cheerfulness of patience part two only those souls that are disciplined in the patience of charity can be truly cheerful under grave trials for this depends upon the magnanimity with which the spirit upholds herself above the pressure and pain of her inferior nature and this can only be done by the brave and patient love of the spirit which looks to god and by virtue of the trust which that love inspires that if we are resigned to the trial god will show us a way out of it and will deliver us from it in his own good time cheerfulness implies hope courage confidence in god the turning a deaf ear to the complaints of self-love and a certain modest joy in the consciousness that in the hands of god in whom we live and move and have our being we are safe but when we are beset by serious trials a certain effort of patience is required to keep the spirit uppermost and to keep the door closed through which sadness would invade the soul yet is it surprising to any one who tries with what a small amount of effort on the part of the will this cheerfulness when lost may be recovered and how much evil and discomfort this cheerful spirit will prevent no one should allow his peace to be disturbed by what is not a rebuke of conscience there are a number of pious people who greatly injure their freedom as well as their cheerfulness by attaching unquiet feelings to their conscience without cause and make themselves miseries out of their own fancies brooding over their dull or unpleasant sensations or over little things said about them they indulge in the art of self-torment and make such a set of discomforts for themselves that nothing works at ease in them and they can neither rejoice in god nor be cheerful in themselves yet these discomforts may be nothing more than humours in the body or little irritations in the nerves that are not worth attention or depression caused by change in the atmosphere or some obstruction or other in the corporal system or something of sadness allowed to be engendered from annoyance of no moment yet these good people will mistake these petty disturbances or depressions of their sensibilities for something wrong in the conscience they know not what which engages them with themselves alarms them with apprehensions and fills them with uneasiness but these and similar things have no relation whatever in their origin with the will or the conscience and only become a mischief by being made the subject of a great deal of self-consciousness and self-love wearing and wasting the spirits in discomfort sadness and discouragement this is not the way of patience but of impatience not the way of peace but of trouble not the way of the cheerful giver but of the selfish self-disturber the generous soul sets her heart on god not on herself thinks of god and not of her own mechanical discomforts 
if any one should take this brooding over himself for self-knowledge he would be very much mistaken he is simply making discouragements for himself by looking for them and so conjuring them up self-knowledge is not to be found in our own darkness but in god's light there is an immense deal of selfishness in this dull and dreary self-introspection excepting when we examine ourselves before god and in his light peace of conscience should not be disturbed by venial weaknesses they cause no surprise in humble souls that have a sincere disposition to reform them nor should venial faults of the will be allowed to disturb its patience and so open the door to sadness causing irritating frets instead of peaceful regrets for as st bonaventure observes if we keep our patience it will remove our sins of weakness and the council of trent teaches that there is no obligation of confessing these venial sins because every good act is removing them it is commended but not required a good act of the love of god or for the love of god will do more to remove them than the fretting and disconsolation and shame at failure which have less of contrition than self-love in them and are therefore more offensive than the mere faults of surprise weakness or inadvertence from which this interior disturbance has been allowed to rise beware of that shame humiliation and self-disturbance which is neither humility patience nor contrition it is good to have sincere contrition for even the least of our faults and to submit them to the tribunal of penance but they ought not to injure our cheerfulness because that is to injure our childlike confidence in god without failures of which we are conscious and that help to keep us humble we should have deeper sins of pride of which we should be less conscious trials of darkness and dryness are not to be assumed for proofs of the presence of sin but as demands on patience and resignation if on examination the conscience is silent they have no other object than to strengthen us in the more solid virtues such as faith trust patience humility detachment and resignation the peace of a good conscience inspires cheerfulness under all trials because god in his goodness has enabled us to keep the great points of his law in the words of st paul we glory in this the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity of heart and sincerity of god and not in carnal wisdom but in the grace of god we have conversed in this world 2 corinthians chapter 1 verse 12 there is another error of judgment seldom noticed but a not unfrequent cause of interior discouragement a soul that has had a long and trying conflict with interior darkness temptation or trial will suffer fatigue and weariness and may even mistake the consequent depression for a wound in the conscience the will may have been firm and patient but the fatigue will be all the greater from the strain let not that soul mistake the depression of fatigue 
either for sadness or reproach of conscience a little tranquil recollection raising the spirit above the exhausted sense will restore her cheerfulness nothing contributes more to cheerfulness than the habit of looking at the good side of things the good side is god's side of them but even on their human side what makes them appear worse than they are is conferred on them by the envy jealousy and malice of our hearts falsely imagining that what depresses others exalts ourselves this is one of the most false and miserable of human weaknesses the evil it produces is incalculable for what begins in the jealousy of the heart ends in the scandal of the tongue inordinate self-love is never without the inclination to exalt one's dear self at the expense of others and to take a secret enjoyment out of their humiliation hence comes the disposition to look to the weak rather than the good side of persons and things and hence the habit of rash judgment making things appear much worse than they are let patience keep down envy and repress the fancy of our own superiority and we shall see a great deal more for which to praise god that will make us more cheerful and thankful for all good is from god and is to his honour and praise wherever we find a single-hearted catholic people full of faith their constant praising of god for all the good they see or receive forms the most beautiful element of their language but the pleasure of seeing and imagining what is wrong or imprudent in our neighbours indicates a jealous disposition of soul that is fruitful in uncharity and evil why should we not rejoice in the good things of god we can rejoice in the good things of the senses why not in the good things of the soul if the day is pure and serene we enjoy its gladness why should we not rejoice in the serene light of truth that shines from heaven upon our mind if the sun warms us with his beneficent rays our whole frame is cheerful why should we not be cheerful under the radiation of god's divine charity if we look at beautiful flowers or hear delightful music our heart expands with pleasure why should not our soul expand with delight when god puts beautiful flowers of grace into our souls or gives us a sense of the eternal harmonies we find a joy in the presence and cheerful greeting of our friends why should we not look up to heaven when so many pure and most loving faces look upon us with divine affection and with most tender desires to cheer and help us we feel honoured and cheered by the arrival of beautiful gifts chiefly because they are embalmed with the kind affections of our friends why should we not delight in the beautiful gifts of god so many so frequent so various bringing to our soul the celestial balsam of his eternal love having an almighty and most loving father in whom we live and move and have our being let us rejoice in him having a most loving saviour very god of god who has made himself our brother and feeds us with his life we ought surely to rejoice in him 
having the holy spirit of god with us dwelling in us with wonderful condescension making us his temples and pouring his love into our hearts we ought certainly to answer his love and rejoice in his overflowing goodness rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice sensual joy is from a mortal cause and we soon find out its mortality spiritual joy is from a spiritual and eternal cause and nothing but sin or sadness can bring it to an end in us for true spiritual delight springs from the divine truth in the intelligence and the divine love in the will and is pure simple innocent peaceful contenting to the spirit and filled with the promise of eternal good things why should we ever set a gloomy face against a guest so beautiful and generous that heavenly guest will never disturb us will never derange the good order of our being as sensual pleasures do but will give the soul in which it dwells a sweet growth a tranquil energy and a loving cheerfulness proportioned to the welcome that we give to a guest so divine and as st thomas truly observes this spiritual cheerfulness perfects the work of the will by giving pleasure to its operations as every spiritual good that we receive comes from the eternal fountain of happiness when gratefully received and rightly used it ought to promote that cheerfulness which is the beginning of all happiness for what the book of wisdom tells us of the manna with which god fed the israelites in the wilderness is applicable to every divine gift thou didst feed the people with the food of angels and gavest them bread from heaven prepared without labour having in it all that is delightful and the sweetness of every taste for thy sustenance showed thy sweetness and serving every man's will it was turned to what every man liked wisdom chapter sixteen verses twenty and twenty one but whether we shall taste the varied and abundant sweetness of those heavenly gifts or not depends upon what patient control we exercise over our earthly desires and sensual appetites which hinder us from relishing divine and eternal things when the israelites lost this control and longed for the flesh-pots of egypt their souls nauseated the food that god had provided for them and they fell into a sadness and a murmuring with which god was greatly offended of what profit are the divinest gifts unless we give our heart and will to them how can they make us cheerful if we prefer the sadness that sensual self-love engenders then as we have said from st bonaventure the patience of charity purifies the soul from sin which is the chief obstacle to cheerfulness and here we will give the whole teaching of the seraphic doctor on this important subject and that nearly in his own words first patience purifies the soul from past sins and by keeping the will apart from those temptations that move us to sin it preserves us from future sins patience effects this by holding back the will from entering into temptation 
secondly by keeping the soul in just order regularity and peace patience disposes us for the receiving of greater graces and diviner gifts and prepares us for the exercise of stronger virtues thirdly patience tests and proves all the virtues for as st gregory says the trials of a man prove what is in him gold is purified from dross in the fire the grain of iron is tested by the file wheat is separated from straw by the flail what is false or defective in the soul is cast out by patience fourthly the patient soul perfects her charity to a high degree and obtains greater glory in heaven she therefore welcomes the sufferings that give occasion for exercising this virtue that she may be able to say with the psalmist according to the multitude of my sorrows in my heart thy comforts have given joy to my soul psalm ninety three verse nineteen fifthly when patience works by charity the soul is prudent in the ruling of herself strenuous in combating for her own protection and reigns like a peaceful sovereign in her own domain of which she holds free and firm possession whilst by her calm vigour she becomes the mistress of her adversaries sixthly patience is a singular retributor of the passion of christ it repays him in kind for what we receive from him who bore our sorrows this is the special joy of the saints whatever comes to them in likeness to the sufferings of christ that they welcome that they suffer with patience and rejoice in their sufferings they rejoice because they have opportunities of repaying the lord as far as they are able for the exceeding love with which he gave his life for them not that he is in need of our goods who have none of our own to give him but when he enters into judgment with us and we come before him with the marks of his sufferings upon us then will they have great confusion who have had no will to suffer for his sake and they will have great glory who have endured much with patience for the love of him it would seem then that our lord shows special love to those to whom he sends many things to be endured he honours them with a part of his burden as he honoured simon of cyrene with a part of his cross a number of persons each with his own burden are travelling the same road in company if one of them gets exhausted with fatigue he will naturally look to some one on whose affection he can rely to help him for a time with his burden he will trust to love and not to the grudging help of those to whom he is indifferent so our divine lord walking with us all the days of our lives looks out for those who are ready for his love to carry a part of the burden that he still must bear in his mystical body the church he distributes that passion which as our head he endured for us among his faithful and compassionate members who being of the body of which he is the head love to suffer with him that with him they may be glorified for as the sufferings of christ abound in us 
so also shall his glory abound partaking of his death we partake also of his resurrection and the more we suffer with him the more gloriously shall we reign with him when the royal psalmist is in affliction and his life is wasted with grief he exclaims to god o oh, how great is the multitude of thy sweetness o lord which thou hast hidden for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that hope in thee in the sight of the sons of men thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy face from the disturbance of men thou shalt protect them in thy tabernacle from the contradiction of tongues psalm thirty verses twenty and twenty one among the treasures of his goodness god has provided an unspeakable sweetness for those who fear him with a loving fear and a singular protection for those who in patient hope refer the trials and contradictions they endure to their divine protector the psalmist has before him two states of soul the state of one who seeks god in solitude and silence and the state of one who is exposed to the combats and vexations of the active life and the contradiction of tongues the souls that seek god in silence he hides in his face and gives them a divine intimacy with him a great sweetness is hidden for those souls which is sometimes given to them and sometimes concealed from them when this luminous sweetness is communicated it fills them with delight when it is concealed from them it is not lost but is hidden in the secret of god's face for them that their faith may be exercised their patience put to the proof and their desire of god increased the law of justice is in their heart but there is a cloud before them yet they know that the sun of justice is in the cloud then sensible delight is changed into a secret sustaining strength and they wait in the outer court in the root of the soul there is hope desire and a chaste fear that is not afraid of god but where is the source of cheerfulness in the faith that god is in the cloud and very near the soul in the confidence that the sweetness is not lost but only hidden in the face of god for them in the trust that their trial is purifying them for greater good in the courage that still adheres to god with patience and waits his will with magnanimity meanwhile it is ordained that the soul prove her love by the constancy of her patience and wait in peace until consolation returns two things try the patience of the soul set in open combat persecution in their persons or goods and provoking offensive or calumnious speeches but when they silently commit their cause to god and patiently leave themselves to his care he protects their souls from injury and hides them in his tabernacle or sanctuary words that signify their secret union with him in which he shows them special favors and proofs of tenderness to those who are in the charity of god st paul addresses these magnificent words know you not that your members are the temple of the holy ghost who is in you 
whom you have from god and you are not your own for you were bought with a great price 1 corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 and in another place the apostle tells us whosoever are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god for you have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear but you have received the adoption of sons whereby we cry abba father for the spirit giveth testimony to our spirit that we are the sons of god and if sons heirs also heirs indeed of god and joint heirs with christ yet so if we suffer with him that we may be also glorified with him romans chapter eight verses fourteen through seventeen here is a list of most noble prerogatives and privileges that belong to the lovers of god they are delivered from servile fear they are free with that freedom with which god makes them free they have the joy of being god's children a joy that should remove all sadness from their hearts they are the living temples of god's holy spirit who bears them witness that they are the sons of god they are joint heirs with christ of the good things of god but one condition is attached to these exalted privileges yet so if we suffer with him that we may also be glorified with him this condition is required for proof and for earnest that we do love god with sincere affection and gratitude and are ready to suffer with cheerfulness for his sake who bought us this love with his sufferings and as our present sufferings prepare us for the future glory they ought already to have in them the seeds of that glory in the cheerfulness and joy that comes of the patient love with which we suffer why should the children of god raise the question in fear and sadness that they know not whether they love god or not you know whether you prefer god to all things else you know whether you desire god above all things you know whether you would consent to die rather than offend him mortally you know whether trusting in his grace you are ready to suffer with christ it is these dispositions of the will and not the emotions of sensibility that decide the question whether you love god or not why then should you deprive yourself of the cheering joy of loving god why should you check and restrain the expansion of that love with saddening thoughts and servile fears the apostles and saints give us the maxim that the proof of the presence of charity is in its patience when we are ready and cheerfully ready to suffer and to endure for the love of god we have the full proof of the presence of that love in our soul why should the sacred scriptures exhort us so continually to rejoice in god to delight in god and to rejoice in suffering for his sake if we are to turn a deaf ear to them as though they were not the revealed will of god to our faith as though they were not his own divine invitations that we should love and serve him cheerfully to rejoice in god is to put his enemies to flight the cheerful love and service of god disperse gloom scatter morbidity to the winds 
and leave no room for self-love to indulge in sadness nor need this cheerfulness be lowered by the advent of tribulation if patience be there to sustain the spirit in its right position we may always rejoice observes st chrysostom if we will only keep our heads a little raised above the flood of human things end of lecture twelve part two